And then I have the pleasure of um, welcoming our guest pastor this morning, who's actually here with us earlier this year. Um, we welcome back uh, Pastor Bob Hoy, who graciously agreed to join us again um, after preaching in February. Many of you will remember that Pastor Hoy has been a contributor to a number of ministries that have blessed Detroiters for decades. Uh, he's one of the founders of Covenant Community Care, a faith-based charitable nonprofit community health center. Uh, he joined his wife Evelyn and a team of individuals who established Charlotte Mason Community School, um, which many of uh, our families are familiar with, which provides a Christian liberal arts education that fosters the development of great minds and wide interests while nurturing each child's relationship to God. And um, he's blessed a number of congregations, excuse me, with his pastoral wisdom and insight, uh, with most of his tenure taking place at Messiah Church in southwest Detroit. Um, and it was while visiting uh, Messiah uh, when Pastor Leon and Rebecca experienced a worship service that was the forerunner for our confession, prayer, and praise services that we hold uh, periodically. Pastor Leon considers Pastor Hoy one of his uh, role models in the faith and deeply appreciates his patience, faith, and compassion um, that he's seen him display firsthand. Um, we're honored to have Pastor Hoy here, uh, Hoy here this morning joining us. Um, would you all pray with me uh, for his sermon? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, thank you for Pastor Hoy's service and his willingness uh, to come and preach to us again this morning. Lord, we just ask that um, your spirit would be upon, upon him as uh, he shares from your word. Lord, uh, open our hearts uh, to hear what you would communicate through him this morning. Um, Lord, and just uh, help us to, to rejoice in you um, as we receive the word. Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I had a weird thought while all those announcements of uh, lifetime achievement were being mentioned about what if I got introduced and, and Brian just listed a few of my sins. You know, well, he, he really failed here and this wasn't his best moment because both are true. You know, by the grace of God, we're able to experience uh, some fruit in our lives and that gives us joy but there's forgiveness of sin in Jesus name too and we're all of us standing in the need of prayer amen good to see you Frank it's you isn't it and uh, um, I also had a thought uh, Matt and Julie about you guys going to Kansas City so Matt has been a great doctor for Covenant Community Care so So Covenant Community Care will experience that loss, and, uh, and Mac Avenue Church will experience that loss. But uh, the Holy Spirit has spoken to me a lot about being a good sending church and a good sending mission organization. And God loves it when we send people well. And when you send people giving thanks for what they brought, and praying their blessing and, and who, who they're going to be minister toing next. God loves that. And a, a good sending church is a church that will receive a lot of fruit as well. And so uh, thank you, uh, Matt and Julie, for your service in Detroit. And I'm going to put you on the spot later, too, so don't get too happy. Um, and... Uh, 
You know, the Holy Spirit says to me sometime, they were never yours. You know, uh, things get bad when we try to possess, try to hold on to the blessing that is ours and not be open-handed. To release and uh, have hands open to receive the next blessing. I also learned that about having grudges against people. So... uh, if Brian were here and Mike were here and I was holding a piece of paper against each of them and then you wanted to give me something, I can't receive it because I've chosen to use my hands to hold, grud- to hold something against somebody. And part of letting go is being able to receive what God's giving now. So sometimes you you just have to say to yourself, I have bigger fish to fry. Maybe that person did do me wrong or hurt my feelings, but I'm going to let it go in Jesus' name. I I don't want to use my hands for this. I want to use my hands for this. So day's a banner day for me. I have a walking buddy. We walk every week on the DeQuinder Cut or the River Walk. And uh, and he asked me to break communion. So we both come in our pickup trucks and we set up communion on the back of his truck and break bread together and go for a walk. And he'll say, it's a banner day. I get to be with my friend. I get to walk. I get to break bread. And uh, today is a banner day for me. Anytime I'm with God's people in God's word, it will date me, but there's a movie, Chariots of Fire, where the lead character says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. And I, I confess to you that when I am with God's people in God's word, uh, I feel God's pleasure. And uh, so I'm really grateful to be here today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So, Matt and Julie, can I put you on the spot? Brian, go go on back there and give them a mic. So, happy anniversary. Uh, Tell, uh, how long did you know each other before you proposed? Can you, yes, 10 months. 10 months. And, uh, Julie, why do you say yes to this guy anyway? I always say that, um, kind of like in a good house, he had good bones and a lot of potential. All right. Okay. And, uh, uh, where was your wedding? Outside of Kansas City. Outside, oh, so you're returning to some roots. A little bit, a little bit. Okay. And how many people were at your wedding, so to speak? 200. 200. All right. And uh, your marriage seemed to take. It seems to still be working. So far, so good. All right. Good to know. So I celebrate your married love and each each marriage that's uh, represented here in the house. It's a gift to be single, too, so I always acknowledge people who are single 
Uh, that, that, that's a calling also from God, either not yet married or uh, recovering from a broken relationship. And, and single parents are about the hardest working people uh, in our community most of the time. So the church family is really supposed to be family, not just for uh, hus husband, wives, kids, but all who are single as well, that we're family, and, uh, and that there should be some healing uh, uh, for all of us in a sense of belonging, in a sense of caring for each other. Um, so, Julie, tell us about your children and, and why you love them the way you do. How many do you have? So we have four children. Okay. Amelia. Got to name each one, say one thing about each one. Okay, Amelia is tender-hearted. Eliza is also uh, quite spunky. Um, Johnny is very responsible and thoughtful. And Timothy right here, our newest little buddy, is very curious, and he just, like, exudes joy. I just can look at him, and, yep, he completes, completes our family. Okay, thank you. So we have romantic love. We have kind of love that, that parents have for their children, children for their uh, parents. Who has a, a relationship with a brother or sister, one of your by-blood brothers or sisters, that has been very special to you? Uh, one person. Ra first person, raise your hand. I'm going to ask you. To tell about that sibling of yours. Oh, we're not too tight with our own people now. Right here. Can, uh, Brian, can you bring the mic over there? Oh, Matt's got it. And, and tell, me again, tell me your name. My name is Alicia. Okay. Um, it's eight of us. Okay. Um, but one of my sisters always comes over and cleans my house. Oh, wow. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I, we can applaud I'm that. <laughs> Let me give you my address, <laughs> just in case she gets done early or anything. I really don't have a favorite okay. sister, but my brother is my absolute favorite. Okay. And he's the only boy. Oh, okay. Okay. And he is... He can do no wrong, and he do all wrong, and I still love him. You love him. Yeah. It's funny. You know, sometimes we have a hard time believing God loves us. But then when you look at your child, and you say, I'm going to love this child no matter what. You know, when you think about your relationship with him, it's always different when somebody you love is on the other side of an issue. It changes it. It's like, yeah, that may be true, but that... I remember going to a pastor's meeting. I hated it. And I'm leaving, and I'm judging everybody. And I'm, I think I'm praying, but I'm just smoking, you know. And uh, I go, Lord, that was just awful. And, he, and they did this, and they said that. And he goes, well, your friend says that. And I said, yeah, but I love him. Oh, back it up. <laughs> back it up. So is the issue what they did? Or is the issue you don't love them in the first place? 
So you found it intolerable to witness their faults. And uh, so that was a whole other thing. So uh, siblings, who has a mentor? Who has had a mentor in your life that really was special to you? Anybody? I see you nodding. Are you willing to say something? Tell me who you are. Yes. My name's Tammy. Okay. And tell me about your mentor. Uh, Kristen Egger. Uh, she is a fellow member here, and she stuck through with me for eight years, like faithfully in a relationship, but still was there to lend her ear, her prayers, and her words of wisdom. Okay. Okay. Who else is, I'm not going to ask anybody else to speak on this, but who else has had a mentor in your life that's really meant a lot to you? Yeah, several of us. Okay, who has a best friend? Who has a bestie that they just want to, right over here, the young master Ot. Noah is your best friend. Who else, who else had, right here, Robin, is it Robin? Yeah. So I met my best friend in seventh grade, and uh, we are still best friends to this day. We have been, she probably knows me better than my husband of 17 years. Okay. <laughs> and things she's not allowed to tell him. Okay. That's fair. Uh, apart from Evelyn, my wife, I have a best friend. We were in business together three times, and we're still best friends. So what does that tell you? Okay, now you might wonder what this has to do with preaching the Word of God. I want to tell you a, a love story parable about this couple that met each other and they just fell so deeply in love with each other. And, uh, and they got married and uh, guess who came to their wedding? Nobody. Nobody came to the wedding. And you know, they had three beautiful children. Uh, guess who came to their baby showers? Nobody. How could that be? How could that possibly happen? Anybody? Guess? They didn't invite anybody. They didn't tell anybody anything. Nobody knew they got married. Nobody knew they fell in love. Nobody knew they had these children. Nobody knew. They didn't tell anybody. How likely does that seem to you? Uh, if we're doing slides, we should go to slide three. That's slide two. Oh, that's slide one. That's slide two. There we go. So uh, I know Pastor Leon taught on this with you recently. But the text, if you have it, do you have it on the text to follow this? or Yes. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. 
or a basket. So I want to ask, anybody feel free to just shout out your answer. What is the most important relationship to you in your life? God. Uh, how many would say God? Okay. Um, how many people in our house, in your house, is everybody you know? That's your house. That's where you live. You know, your neighbors. How many people in your house know that? know that. We kind of live in a culture where we don't talk about our relationship with God, with a lot of people. We might. We might offend people. We don't want to offend people. You know, it says in 1 Peter, always be ready. Always have an answer ready when people ask you about the hope that's within you. And that implies Number one, that we act like hopeful people out there. And somebody's saying, well, why are you so hopeful? You know? It says, always be ready, and, and, but give that answer with gentleness and respect. Okay? So if we share our relationship with Jesus, with our house, with gentleness and respect... What's the odds are that we're going to offend people? Julie? Well, not, ve not very likely. It could happen, right? What's it, how likely is it to happen? But it's not unusual, even as people of faith, to create a habit of not talking about the most beautiful thing that's ever happened to us and is continuing to happen to us. And when that's true for you and me, we are living with the basket over our lamp. You know what I'm saying? We're, and I love the difference in the gospel. So in one of the gospels, Jesus talks about the lamp on the lampstand, and there's no admonition of what we're supposed to do. So I pondered that, and... I, I felt as if the Holy Spirit said, in that instance, Jesus wasn't telling you what to do or us what to do. He was describing himself. Jesus is the lamp on the lampstand. So people had some kind of relationship with God before the word became flesh. But when Jesus started bringing what God was all about in his ministry... It was like taking the basket off the lamp and people were saying, my God, is this what it's about? Is this what it's about? You mean this kind of mercy and this kind of love and this, oh, baby, is this what it's about? And the religious leaders got kind of defensive. It's like, we've been telling you what it's about. They go, we have not been feeling it. You know, but this man, if this is what it's about. So, uh, can we move to the next text? Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light. 
to everyone in the house. So I want to encourage you to think about why do you, do you really want the most important thing in your life, the most beautiful thing in your life, to be unknown by many people who are in your house? And, uh, and we all are creatures of habit. So if I have a habit of sharing, I share. But once I develop this habit of not sharing, I do not share. And it's, as anybody here can tell you, it's hard to break a habit. But it can be very freeing to break that habit too. Can we move to another slide? Now, I want to say this is really important. Guilt is the absolutely worst motivator in the world. And I have no interest in making anybody feel guilty or making myself feel guilty as we have this conversation. You should not share Jesus out of guilt. It was, you know, when I was a student back at Eastern Michigan, back when I was a young man, we would go to the dorms once a week and witness to people. And I didn't want to go one week. And I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, do I have to go? He goes, no, you, you, didn't, you don't have to go. Do whatever you want. I go, that's not what I meant, Lord. I just meant I'm not feeling it tonight. Do I, you know? He goes, you weren't feeling it last week either, were you? I go, well. He goes, no, you don't have to go. Don't go. Don't ever go. So I went. Very first door. Guy says, so are you doing this out of some sense of religious obligation or something like that? And I'm like, well, a person should never do it for, <laughs> for that reason. But I also saw God work over and over and over again. Sometimes I, you know, in the book of Acts, Philip, he's out running. Anybody here a runner? There you are. Tell me your name. Ashley, so Ashley's out running. You imagine a Ashley out running, and, and, and somebody's coming by in their trolley reading the book of Isaiah. And it's like, no way, reading it out loud. <laughs> Ashley says, do you understand what you're reading? He goes, how would I unless somebody explains it to me? And she gets up on that trolley with them and gets to share that. You realize what a privilege that would be? Sometimes I tell Jesus, you know, if you could work something like that, I, I, I'm up. I, I would really like something like that. But in season and out of season, uh, you know, I used to coach Little League Baseball. And just looking at Brian reminds me I can't do this all day, so I'll have to work toward landing the plane. But <laughs> I, I, I used to coach Little League Baseball right when – it, it was mostly boys, some girls, just when they're facing pitching for the first time. And kids are up there hoping to get a walk because they don't believe they can hit it. Uh, but they really would love to be on base, you know. And so you say to the kids, today we're going to talk about the secret of getting a hit. I'm like, all right. Now, the secret to getting a hit, I bet somebody here knows. What's the secret to getting a hit? Try. Try. Swing the bat. The secret to getting a hit is swing the bat. 
if you don't swing the bat, you will never get a hit as long as you live. If you swing the bat, and I told the kids this, you will get a hit. You absolutely will get a hit. Maybe not today. But the moral, don't let anybody cheat you out of your swings. And so when Tommy would go up there and strike out, way to go, Tommy. You didn't let anybody cheat you out of your swings. And you know that foul ball you hit? You're getting your range, buddy. And, and, and you just start pumping that kind of encouragement. I used to, third base coach, I'd go, two-strike hitter, two-strike hitter. I know you're a two-strike hitter. Just so when they get up there and get their two strikes, they wouldn't feel like they're already defeated, you know, and, 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 and give it a rip. So if Jesus is the most beautiful thing that ha ever happened to you and is continuing to happen to you, Take off the basket for anybody in the house. And there's room for a lot of creativity. Uh, let's, let's move to the next. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's move to the last slide. This is my closing note. So I was driving around one day. And I was thinking about us telling our story to people. And so if I say to you, tell me your name. Elisha. Elisha. So when did you become a follower of Jesus? Um, she's freshman and sophomore year of college. Where, what college? Um, San Diego UCSD. Okay, so she knows when, she knows where, and who shared the good news with you? Okay, her husband and some friends shared the good news. So she knows when it happened. She knows where it happened. She knows who was involved in her coming to receive the love of God in your life. Um, why did you become a follower of Jesus? <laughs> I don't need a lengthy detail or I, I don't want your sin list. I have one of my own. Uh, and it's longer, believe me. Uh, um, but why did you feel the need for God in your life? Okay, the Lord took the scales off of her eyes and she could see what God has done for her. And what, what's been the outcome of this? What's the result of this? Okay, so can everybody hear that? It's a new life, experiencing God, enlivening all her relationships, just seeing God at work in her life. Who, who here could tell a similar story that you remember when, you remember where, you remember who, you remember why you came to Jesus? Do you remember why you came to Jesus, everybody? 
And do you know what the outcome has been from that decision in your life? So I'm driving in my car, and then I said, oh, I should probably do how. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, don't do how. Everybody says they don't know how to share their faith, or they would. You don't need to know how. You need, you have, we have everything we need. When, where, who, why, what, doesn't matter how. Doesn't matter if you bake it in a cake. Doesn't matter if you ha have a cup of coffee. There is no how. There is no right way, wrong way. You're in love. God loves you. So don't, t and I, I have a mirror here. So if, I, if I'm in, in, uh, getting up in your grill, believe me, I'm in my own grill too. And it's not out of guilt. It's like, why would I want to have relationships with people and they have no clue that Jesus floats my boat? You know, that Jesus is the sweetest thing. You know, so that's it. This is the word for us today. And let's get rid of that basket and what God has done. And you're, you have a beautiful story. If you were standing where I am today right now, you would see how beautiful you are. And this God has done. So that's all I got. Amen.